Welcome to the official podcast of DogsDaily.com, a Sports Illustrated channel. Gets to the edge. Tony Michelle will send the Dogs home to the championship game. If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you're in the right place. Hosted by Dogs Daily Riders, Jeremiah Stoddard, Kyle Funderburg, and Jonathan Williams. Here's a pitch. And high out into right center with some carry. It's got a chance. This ball is out of here. Tucker Bradley has won it. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to. All right, welcome back to another episode of Classic City Sports. Another great week after a Georgia blowout win. Uh, Didn't think we would necessarily come away with another shutout after the Vanderbilt game so quickly, playing against the number eight team in the country with Arkansas looking really good coming into the game. Everybody was excited about him. I was excited about him as a whole. Now we had our reservations as far as like what they were going to look like this season and kind of surprised us with how they've performed so far this year. I mean, at the beginning of the year, we predicted they would have about six wins and get bowl eligible. And honestly, that was somewhat of a leap because coming off of last season, we were putting them at bowl eligible. And here they are, 4-1 and after playing Georgia. Yeah, Georgia did a lot of damage to them. Uh, We'll break that down, obviously, and and kind of go over some of the numbers and and the way that actually looked for them. Uh, So we'll go through all of that. But, I mean, overall, like you were excited about Arkansas going into that game of what what Sam Pittman has been able to put together. So we'll kind of go over the offense, the defense, and then we're going to wrap everything up on the show today with a, you know, a little bit of a segment on just like the SEC and everything after, you know, Florida, Kentucky, and Ole Miss and Bama kind of wrap up a little bit of that. But and how the outlook for Georgia the rest of the way looks at this point, almost to the halfway point. It is Wednesday, October 6th, just at 719 so I always like to say the date on them because every once in a while there's something that sticks out that I like to go back and and find our receipts on it because when we get to the Kentucky and Florida spot we talked about that before already I posted it on Twitter and pulled the receipts up for it we we called that game before it even happened before the season even started so that made me kind of feel good about what we've been doing and the, the work that we put in before the season even started now once again you have teams like Arkansas that kind of come out and surprise you you know, you have Ole Miss that slipped up, you know, a little bit more than we thought they would against Alabama as well. But as a whole, I think we did a pretty good job to start the season. But without further ado, we'll go ahead and kick off the offensive side of the ball for Georgia against Arkansas. And, and just your first takeaway from it, you know, Stetson Bennett starting the game. Don't have JT again for this game. And it's a top 10 matchup that made people it made me pretty nervous, like to start the game. But at the same time, kind of felt comfortable still um, as a whole. But, you know, anytime you don't have your starting quarterback again for a top 10 matchup, it makes you a little nervous. Yeah, absolutely. And the refreshing thing to see was when you do play your backup quarterback, and granted Stetson is a great quarterback. He continues to prove that every single week that he gets put into the spot where we have to rely on him to take under center. But it was really nice to see in the first drive. I mean, it seemed like Georgia just took – all the air out of any type of momentum Arkansas was coming into this game with any type of injury. I mean, they just pounded them all the way down the field, running the ball up the gut, just exposing their defense, rushing three. So, you you know, you there you have to really rely on your run game. 
was able to do that really efficiently. Stetson made some nice passes to continue the drive. So opening the game with a drive like they did to open up, uh, to get the game started off and go up 7-0 real quick, that was really nice to see. Makes Stetson feel more comfortable, you know, not having to put as much pressure on him the next time he comes out. And then just let your defense do what they do best, which is keep offenses out of the end zone and just absolutely dominate them which is what they continue to do every single week as well. So being able to do that, go up real quick. So offense, I mean, it was really nice to see too because the one question that everybody's been saying about George is like the run game really hasn't been there. And that has a lot to do with offensive line having some miscues, still trying to figure things out. So it was really big for me to see that the offensive line got things clicking. They got they really seemed to gel this week. Everybody held their assignments really well. Cedric Van Pran specifically, I know Brooks said a lot, but that's – one of the best games he's ever seen from a center in college football. So big props to him for a true freshman to go in there and just absolutely manhandle business when you're going one-on-one every single time with a big defensive tackle from Arkansas. So establishing the run game. And I, I think it's really important too to note this is that by now you're five games in, you've seen Georgia win games in every single way possible. I mean, you won one against Clemson relying on your defense. You went against UAB and just absolutely throttled them with the passing game with Stetson Bennett again. Then you go into South Carolina, have JT Daniels. You absolutely throttled in with your passing game, got the running game going a little bit. Vanderbilt really don't even need to speak on that one just because it's kind of reiterating things. And then now Arkansas, you go in and you throttle them with the run game. You just ground pound and just go after them. So now you know Georgia is a complete team on offense. You knew what they were on defense, but not necessarily on offense. So that's my biggest takeaways from the offense in regards to the Arkansas matchup. Absolutely. And, and when you talk about that offensive line performance and the running game, those are the two things that people have had some reservations about this season because you haven't seen a lot of explosive runs and you've seen the offensive line struggle to, you know, get their blocking assignments taken care of. And, you know, all of a sudden an entire play that could be an explosive play or something like that blew up. And I think that's what happened is the offensive line started to figure out what they were needing to do and, and get on top of their assignments, make sure they got where they were supposed to be. And that's what made the running game open up like it did as well to where you were able to see some of those explosive runs, the 10 plus yard runs, uh, you know, 20 yard runs, that kind of stuff started to actually happen this week that we haven't seen from Georgia more than like once or twice throughout the first four games. So that really helped as a whole. I mean, there was an Arkansas, it was like a fan account actually that was talking to me briefly before the game because Arkansas fans popped up out of nowhere this year and no, not any disrespect towards them you know no. it's they were they were good for the first time in a long time so they were excited about it i can't fault them for that at all no, no hard feelings towards it all but they were they were very confident about their game plan and what they've been able to do nothing but love for sam Pittman and what he has been able to do this year but that team was not on the same level as georgia we knew that going into the game there's a reason that the opening spread was what 18 and a half yeah, and 18. i think it was 16 and a half by the time kickoff was so still you're looking yeah. at a 17 point spread and that's a lot of points in a game against a top 10 opponent. So that tells you that everyone with the money that's putting the money out there, they knew what was going on, you know, and, the, and they understood like the situation of it as well. But anyways, this this uh, fan account was talking to me the other day before the game on Twitter. And we were just kind of talking about both teams. I was kind of telling him what Georgia, you know, might try to do. He was telling me what Arkansas might try to do. And he, he came down and said that they – are extremely confident in their ability to get pressure with three and make quarterbacks uncomfortable with three rushing, you know, three down linemen, and they'll they'll stay in that set most of the time. And I said, my my only response back to him was, man, if they go a three down line set and they keep five or less in the box throughout most of the game, I said Georgia will run all day long. Well, fifty six rushing attempts later and two hundred seventy five yards, 
Arkansas stayed in the three-man front almost the entire game, and they did keep five to six people in the box most of the game. They like to drop – even uh, Brooks talked about it too. They like to drop eight in the coverage. Mm-hmm. Well, when you have your backup quarterback in Stetson Bennett, who is a little bit of a mobile guy himself, so he ran a little bit in the game too. So you have that, and then you don't have his arm and his necessarily – it's not that he has a bad arm. It's that he's hesitant to take those shots downfield. Yeah. And when if you watched Brooks Austin's film study of the offense, there was a few plays where he should have been able to hit a 20-plus yard play and just was hesitant, didn't take the shot, didn't go for it. It was there. Whether or not it's a misread or what you want to say or just uncomfortable making that throw, that's the type of quarterback we had in the situation. And so what that means is Georgia's going to keep running the ball. It worked. Georgia ran for 4.9 yards per carry on 56 carries. And, and Arkansas didn't adjust to that. So that, that was the crazy thing to me is Arkansas didn't go, all right, they've thrown the ball a total of 16 times throughout the entire game. By the end of it, they can look back and see that, obviously. But in the middle of the game, you know you're looking at, all right, they've got seven, eight pass attempts, and they've ran the ball 30 times or something like that, whatever the stats would be about halfway through. And they stayed in the three down front. They stayed in dropping about eight, you know, seven or eight guys. And it just they – didn't, they didn't change their game plan for it. And Georgia just – absolutely bullied them for it. And and maybe they thought the offensive line wasn't going to be able to put it together and they were going to be able to cause confusion in that front, you know, with three or four guys. It just didn't happen. I mean, this is like a Georgia team in the past dream was to go up against a team that doesn't stack the box because what was every team's defensive plan going against Georgia in the past? Just put eight or seven in the box and you got to stop the run. Where in this game, it was they were scared, or not necessarily scared. This is what they do every week. They, like you said, they really like dropping eight and protecting those big plays from happening. And Georgia was like, well, we'll just run it up the gut and we'll just stay on the grass. And then especially when Georgia jumps up 21 nothing in the first quarter, I, my mindset at that point is like, okay, they're up three scores, probably not going to be passing the ball a whole lot. At least I wouldn't be just because at this point you just want to – I mean, the clock's your friend. Just keep watching that clock tick, keep the, ground, keep the game on the ground. And keep using those stud running backs that you have plenty of, which means you can rotate, which they did. They rotated plenty of them. Four of them had over 10 carries. So I thought it was interesting that even like late in the game, Arkansas was not adjusting to it at all. I mean, nothing against Sam Pittman, of course. But, I mean, I feel like at some point you have to say, okay, like they've got us right now. We kind of have to make an adjustment somewhere. We kind of we have to put more people in the box probably. We have to do everything we can to stop what they have going right now. And it just never happened. And it may just be that Georgia was executing flawlessly up front and that the running backs are finding their holes. They're making the right reads. But also, I mean, it didn't seem like the Georgia or the the defense for Arkansas was doing much to stop either. And Kirby and Munkin were just like, all right, well, we'll just keep going with what we've got going. And we're not going to change anything either if they're not going to change anything. So and then also, I think it's really important to or at least I thought it was nice was that Stetson was using his legs. You saw a couple of times him him keeping the ball in the run game. So that also allows lanes to open up because at that point you're, you're keeping the defense honest. I mean, keeping it just once or twice can change a lot of things because one time you keep it, get a 10-yard gain, defenses have to be aware of that for the rest of the game. So all around the running game was just a 10 out of 10. That's all I can say. This was the best running performance of the season for Georgia, without a doubt. By far. And, and I think that was the game plan for Sam Pittman going into it was, you know, we'll rush three, drop eight, or, you know, maybe – drop seven, rush four, that kind of thing most of the time and make Georgia drive the entire field, you know, every single time and make that long drive touchdown. Make sure, you know, maybe they were hoping you would make a mistake, whether you fumble, get sacks, uh, throw an interception, whatnot like that. But 
two things about it. One, when you're running so successfully and getting five yards of carry or almost five yards of carry, you're always getting first downs and moving down. And the first two possessions, Georgia had nine plays of both of them. The first one was nine plays, 75 yards, something like that with that touchdown from Zamir White. And then the second one was also nine plays, about 56 yards, and that rushing touchdown from Kendall to, to finish it off. And so first you, collegiate touchdown First for collegiate well. touchdown for him. And yeah, absolutely. It's an exciting time for no the doubt. Milton family there. And, and you love to see that for him as well. And But my point of it is when you see that on the first two drives, right, they drove the field, they bullied you with that set. And during that set, they weren't just getting those dump off passes and, and moving the field that way. At that point, to me, maybe it's a first time head coach, first year head coach or second year first time head coach in Sam Pittman not realizing, hey, maybe I need to adjust this game plan. Like they're, they're beating it. And but they're not beating it with those dump off passes. They're beating it by running for four or five yards of carry. And that's not going to change over the game. Now you could if they were moving the ball with short passes, five, six yard passes and stuff like that, and it was just cutting through, at some point you do kind of expect them to make a mistake, that kind of thing. But when the running game's working that well, you've got to adjust your game plan on the defensive side to make Georgia change what they're doing. And then you add that in with Dan Jackson, which, by the way, a walk-on, a walk-on who has played extremely well in meaningful games. He played a lot of snaps against Clemson to open the season off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some injuries throughout the season with corners and stuff like that, but he's playing safety. I mean, Kirby's He's Smart- coming in for Chris Smith and Lewis Seen yeah. and getting real playing time in big games. Yeah, Kirby Smart said before the season even started, he said, Dan Jackson will play because he has earned his minutes. and. Obviously, that has become that has come to fruition now. I mean, Dan Jackson is getting plenty of playing time, and he's making the most of it, getting a blocked punt, basically, and giving him a touchdown. In my opinion, yeah, we'll give him that the is his for that. touchdown. I know Zamir White got it; yeah. he picked it up. But, but Dan the play Jackson's was made touchdown. by Dan Jackson. The only reason he didn't get it is he blocked it and started looking up like this, and thought the ball went up in the air. And then when he saw it on the ground, and he almost got back there himself, Zamir comes off the. You know, you don't even see him in the screen; he just dives across the floor there basically and gets it. So he gets the touchdown, but Dan Jackson made that play, which which is the point there is you get those first two drives where they score you know, on nine plays and 75 and then 56 yards, and then follow that up by they block a punt and score a touchdown on you by Dan Jackson right there. And at that point, you've got you to go, all right, we've got to change something on their offense or on the defensive side because they are consistently – consistently moving on those first two drives there. And there's, once again, if it's a run game, getting five yards of carry, that's not going to change with without changing that defensive front side at all. And you, you kind of expected them to make that change there. And then on the other side, which we can flip to this conversation now as well, is on the offensive side for Arkansas, so the defensive side for, for Georgia, Arkansas didn't have a lot of passive tense either. I, I believe they you know, completed 11 passes. Um, and I, I have to go back to the stat sheet real quick and see on the player stats. They had, I think, a completed 11 passes. 10. 10 total for 16 attempts. So they only threw the ball 16 times as, as well as Georgia threw it 11. So there just wasn't a lot of passing in there as well. But once again, Georgia's defense only was out there for 45 plays. That's mm-hmm. insane. 45 plays in a full game against a top 10 opponent. So... It was just a, they were barely moving the ball. Yeah, and it's what Georgia's done to every single team. It's just they the offense comes out there, they get their crap shoved on their throat in the first two possessions. You're on the and now you're on your heels and you're just like, holy crap! Like, what are we supposed to do now? I'm not sure where we go from here. And 
Georgia just defensively had an answer for anything that Arkansas wanted to do. Brooks predicted it perfectly. I mean, any time that there was a third and short, there was a QB draw going on. And more times than not, Georgia was there to stop it and shut it down. Which not even third and short, third and eight yeah, and seven, third and too. Six, like third, third and, and seven. medium and third and That long. was their go-to third down play. And it's probably because they really didn't know what else to run or really didn't feel comfortable running anything else except – putting their pretty much one of their best athletes on offense, giving him the ball and just saying, let's try and get it. Like, we don't know what else to tell you. We just got to get something going. And nothing ever got going for Arkansas. The, the play where Jan Jackson blocked the punt felt like the nail in the coffin in the first quarter. Immediately. At that point, it felt like to everybody, this game's over. Like, there's no question. Georgia is absolutely owning this game on both sides of the ball. And – I mean, it's it's incredible just to think about what this Georgia defense is doing. I saw a stat today. I believe Cole Kubelik was the one that tweeted it. Georgia is the fourth defense in the last, I think, 20 years that have held their opponents through the first five games under 1,000 yards in total offense. And the other three teams to do that was 2007 LSU, 2000, 2011 Alabama, 2012 Alabama. And you know what else those you remember three that teams 2011 did? and 2012 Alabama? That team? 2011 Alabama defense was like was nine nasty. people drafted off of those two teams. Like, Absolutely. Uh, from starters from each year, basically, on those two teams. But those other three teams also won a national championship. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to like manifest anything, or, but it, it's worth noting like this defense is that good. I mean, when you think about really like great defenses in the past 15 years, everybody looks at that 2011 Alabama defense because they shut down every single body that they played. And it was, it was never even close. And so this is who this Georgia defense is being compared to now. And everybody's been giving Kirby Smart a lot of crap the past couple of years, saying like, oh, well, you, you can't win with a really good defense anymore. Like, you can't rely on a really good defense in this day and age of college football. And Kirby Smart is proving everybody wrong with that right now. Now, of course, the offense is putting up substantial amount of points. They're put, they put up 60-plus a couple, a, a couple times. They, and now you're scoring 37 against a top-10 opponent. But still, I mean – Two shutouts now and allowing one touchdown and nine or yeah they went nineteen of twenty quarters allowing a touchdown, so that's pretty substantial stuff. That's I mean that is elite. Let's just think about this real quick because you talked about the scoring stuff as well. So Georgia is averaging forty one points a game through five games. Yes, they played UAB and Vanderbilt in that spot, but they played Clemson, which they didn't score much in that game. So they played Clemson and then they played South Carolina and now they played Arkansas on top of those other teams as well. So they are still averaging 41 points a game with one of those games being a 10-point performance. The defense's PF, uh, PFF came out and put out the stat, and they put it at like 4.6 or 4.4, something like that, um, points per game against Georgia's defense, which is inaccurate because Georgia's defense, one of those, they included a pick six mm-hmm. on uh, for the other team, which doesn't count to the defense, obviously. So the actual number was 3.2 points per game that they're allowing. So Georgia's giving up 3.2 points a game on defense – and scoring 41 points a game. They have two top 10 wins with that and just blowing and two straight shutouts against SEC teams. Yes, one of them's Vanderbilt. I'm not harping on that and I'm not going to give too too much credit there, but still shutting out a team in the SEC in gen- or any team in general, it's unheard it of. takes a lot. Really? Think about it. They didn't shut out UAB. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a pick six, but still they didn't shut out UAB as what? a team. And, and, I, they, and that's crazy. I believe right now, according I believe according to NCAA.com and their statistics, Georgia has the eighth ranked scoring offense, and then they have the number one scoring defense. That's lethal. That's a it's lethal incredible. combination. 
I mean, and to have an offense that's ranked in the top 10 in scoring is something that Georgia fans have been dreaming of for the last 10 years. And to have both of those things going for you right now is a reason, is, is the reason why everybody's saying it's Georgia and Bama and everybody else, like a lot of steps below them. Not in, No one's even holding a torch to them right now. It's not even close. No, it's like it, it, nobody's in the rearview mirror. You can't even see them. When you look up like that, yeah. it's crazy. And But to add a little bit more perspective as well, Arkansas going into the game, I believe they averaged around 35 points a game. So you took a team that was averaging 35 points a game who beat a Texas, who beat a Texas A&M, and is looking really good at 4-0, getting up to number eight in the country. And then you turn around and you shut them out. Zero points. The only thing they even had a chance for was a field goal that was missed. They didn't get to where they had a shot at even another field goal after that. And that was in the first quarter. And so they had nothing going for them. This defense is something I have never seen on a Georgia team before. Yes, the 2017 defense was extremely good. They were. This team has so much depth, it's unreal. Jonathan and I, we were talking about this before the the show started tonight, and we were looking at it and we were like, man, there's never been a Georgia team that we've watched or even – you know, scene where there's this much depth to where you start rotating guys and you don't seem like there's any type of step back on it. The closest thing to a step back in like performance when you look at rotating is maybe at corner when you have speed and, and Keely Ringo and stuff like that coming out there. But even at this point, Keely Ringo, you didn't hear his name at all on Saturday, did you? He's played lights out. That's because they're not looking and throwing at him anymore. And so the only thing that he's given up all season were two pass interference calls. He hasn't given up a single catch. And so like, that's insane as well. The, the defense, the weakest spot of the defense is that, that area right there with those guys. And it looks like Keely Ringo is taking that over now. And it looks like he's proven that he's the guy for it. And if he can keep himself disciplined and not get those pass interference calls, they're not even looking over and throwing at him anymore. This is how you, this is how I tell, uh, or how I can tell how good this Georgia defense is, is when I watch anybody else play, like I go watch a Kentucky versus Florida or an Alabama versus Ole Miss. You don't see any defense move like Georgia's defense does. Nobody is suffocating offenses like they do. Between how fast the running backs are to closing down lanes and how they're just running people down from sideline to sideline, how quick their edge rushers and defensive tackles get to the quarterback, nobody is suffocating offenses like they do. Nobody is as quick to the ball as Georgia is right now. And I mean nobody. That's Alabama included. Even if you watch them, Georgia's defense just looks different compared to everybody else. And it's insane also to think about just touching on the defensive line is that you have Jordan Davis, um, Jordan Davis, Carter and Devontae Wyatt rotating at that position. I don't know anybody that's three deep at that position and doesn't they don't take any steps back when they rotate players in or out at any position right now. That's a big thing too. being able to keep people fresh, rotate people in, you know, they're going to hold down their assignment. It's, it's just really unheard of, and you don't see it from any team right now, and it's really not even close. No, absolutely not. You don't see any team this complete on there. And what you're talking about, too, is like how quick this defense is. When you have a guy on your defensive line, it's like the nose tackle spot that is as quick and athletic as a guy like Jordan Davis is. This man is freaking 350, 60 pounds, and he was clocked running. I saw this today, actually. It was David Pollock put it out. And I believe it was David Pollock that had clocked it or something. It was GPS. And he ran 19.8 miles an hour. Yeah. This man is 350 or 360 pounds. 
and he is running almost 20 miles an hour. To put that in perspective. I don't think I can run that fast. Oh, gosh, no. Like, I, I seriously think he would chase me down, and that's terrifying. To put that in perspective, Bo Nix this last week was clocked in at 22 miles per hour. He's running three miles per hour less than a really athletic and mobile quarterback. And he has 200 pounds on the guy. Easy. It's just, he is just, I don't even know where, how you breed a human being like Jordan Davis. Maybe like 150 pounds on him, but still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go, Regardless. That, yeah. <laughs> 200 was probably a, way more, but way still, over. But anyway, still. it's still crazy. I think Bo Nix weighs a little bit more than 160, but yeah, still. He definitely does not weigh a buck 60. But anyways, it's still crazy. It is absolutely insane that. I, I, I don't know how quarterbacks sleep at night when they know that Jordan Davis is on the other. Think about offensive linemen. They yeah. have to line up and block this man. Think about like when they line up as a, a true zero technique right over top of the center. And you imagine being the center. you got to snap the ball and look up and block this man that's moving like that. I mean, that's that's unreal. What do you He's chasing you down running people? backs. Don't He doesn't let running backs get the corner. He starts in the middle over the center. And he's getting outside and making the tackle on running backs outside, the, like on the edge, trying to get the corner and run up field. And then same thing for quarterbacks. He's chasing them down. It's unreal to have that type of athleticism when you were that freaking big. It's unfair. Like, that's insane. Yeah, it's a cheat That's code. just a freak of nature. Jordan Davis is like, the player is. that you create in my career. A hundred percent. a video game. He's a, he's a user-created player on, like, NCAA 14. that just jacked up his speed and stuff. Yeah. That's, like, 99. All 99 and at, overall. <laughs> and put him at 360 pounds to watch this. Like, good God. That yeah. man is just moving. I mean, it's just, it's unreal. And so, but when you have somebody like that right there, and then you have guys like N'Kobe Dean, Quay Walker, and Channing Tindall at the middle line, like middle linebacker spot that are rotating through them themselves who get the edge extremely quickly and, and, and extremely fast there. There's not much you can do. And then you have the edge rushers like Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson out there. Georgia swarms to the ball. And, and the play recognition, I think that's part of what makes this team, this team so special their play recognition is top tier right now because they're recognizing run pass, whatever it is, getting to the outside, sealing off those gaps and doing it so quickly. And then they're, they're also swarming to it like as a team. So like if one guy figures it out and they're getting there, they, they hit that guy, give it half a second. Three more guys are also involved in that tackle all of a sudden. It and also, it's, that's just unreal. And I think a lot of it has to do with Nicobe Dean one being a big leader of that defense. And this, this, this is, this is something that really blew my mind is that Nicobe Dean, while playing Division I football at a top-tier program right now, is majoring in mechanical engineering and holds a, over a 3.5 GPA. He almost has a 4.0, didn't he? Yeah, almost has have. a 4.0, or he might have a I thought, 4.0. I thought somebody had said something around a 4.0. I think he's close. It's like an upper 3-something GPA. I mean, Chris Collinsworth was glorifying over Mac Jones being a 4.0 student at the University of Alabama. How about we talk about Nicobe Dean, a starting inside linebacker at the University of Georgia, with t- maintaining that type of GPA, well, majoring in mechanical engineering, like this isn't just some while regular, playing football full yeah. time. That's insane. Can, I'd hate to know what his regular school week looks like during football season, having to study for exams in mechanical engineering, and then also having to watch film, study plays. And he's so good at just play recognition and leading that defense and having everybody in the right spots. So having someone as intelligent and just as skillful as Nicobe Dean leading that defense. That's special right there. That's something a lot of teams cannot say that they have. So having someone like N'Kobe Dean on that defense, that's a big thing to have as your leader and just to make sure that everybody is in the right spot. So 
Nicobe Dean is a big reason for why everybody is in the right spots for Georgia's defense. And then also, of course, they're just really talented. That really helps as well. But Yeah, and then you, if you think about this, and you have a, a Nicobe Dean who I believe has three and a half sacks on the season. Um, he got a sack and a half this past Saturday against Arkansas. And you have Adam Anderson out there who has got four sacks already through five games. And it, it's Adam Anderson. We called him for double-digit sacks this year. At least I did like multiple times on this show. And I, you can't help but just double down on that after seeing it. Oh, yeah. Because he'll have at least – he'll have one against Auburn. He will – That was his breakout game he, last year. Last year he got had, Auburn. what felt like almost three or four sacks. He had so many quarterback hurries and pressures in that game for sure. And and there was a, one that he would have had a sack where it's like it's Bo Nix running out to the outside. And he's like basically laying, you know, across the ground and just chunks the ball <laughs> and gets rid of it just can. so he can get rid of the ball. But it, that's basically a sack if you look oh, at it too. Yeah. But he'll, he'll be in the backfield again. And so you're looking at having five-plus sacks through six games already. And then Georgia will be – Georgia's going to be in the playoffs this year. Like I, I don't see how – which we'll get into that whole segment <laughs> here in a second as well. But uh, – so he's going to play 14, 15 games. That's coming. You know, and you've got five or six games already, and you're at four sacks. He you'll be at five 20. sacks. He, he said he wanted there. 20. He won't quite get to 20, but, I, I mean, he 12, 13, 14, close. maybe, something yeah. like that is possible with the type of season that's coming up. Mm-hmm. But what I was going to say with that is N'Kobe Dean is going to be pushing double digits. Mm-hmm. You'll have multiple people on that uh, on that front seven getting uh, at least getting, getting close, closer, to, you know, to double digits. close to double digits, seven, yeah. eight sacks, that kind of thing, because this team – has 18 sacks through five games. And I believe, I looked at it earlier, it was like 40, I want to say 40-something pressures as a team too. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 90 or 80 pressures. <laughs> 80 pressures as a team. So 18 sacks and 80 pressures as a team through five games. Try being an opposing quarterback in that. Somebody asked me, uh, they, they said, you know, because Bo Nix, I mean, he looked really good last week. He did. He I was, was moving. Really he was so elusive. He made some crazy plays against LSU last week. And I was impressed. I was like, that's, that's awesome. The guy that is a Auburn fan, also an FN account, I think too. And uh, he was talking about it. He said, you know, do we get bad Bo Nix or we get good Bo Nix this week? And I said, George is going to make it be bad Bo Nix. Nothing against the guy as a whole. Like I know we haven't been big fans of Bo Nix on this show at all. And, but he has turned some stuff around. At least last week we saw some good stuff from him. George is going to bring back the the Bo Nix of the old. It's not going to look good. It's going to be a long day for them, which, we can let's talk for a minute about that game real quick and then we'll segue into the rest of it too because like Georgia versus Auburn I know you got mad because we couldn't do last week's episode and because you said you were going to come on and say that you didn't think Arkansas was going to be relatively close I don't think Auburn's going to be relatively close Mm -hmm. I think Georgia covers that spread of 14 points or whatever it is I think Georgia's going to cover that yeah I think I I just do I think it's going to be similar to what we just saw this weekend I I mean it's and I really hate it too because, or I don't necessarily hate it, but you can't hate it. But Tank Bigsby, who I think he's he's easily the best running back in the conference right now, hands down in my opinion. I he love is. me some Tank Bigsby. First off, great name, really good running back, just all around a really good, really good player. But and to think Georgia lost him when they were waiting around for Zach. Oh Evans. man, they were waiting around for Zach Evans, and then they yeah, Tank let Bigsby, him go. and he wanted to be a dog. But anyways, we won't get on that. So. I mean, Tank Bigsby is not going to be doing much against this Georgia defense. Every, I mean, multiple teams have tried going the route of running the ball against Georgia, and it has not worked out one bit. So, if anything, Auburn's got to just pray that Bo Nix has the best game of his entire career and just lights up Georgia's secondary. But, like we said, when you're getting 80 pressures in five games and 
and a, and a substantial amount of sacks, it's not looking very likely either. So I, I don't think this game is particularly close either, regardless, even with it being at Auburn, which I know is a really big environment. And Georgia seems to – it doesn't seem – it seems like Georgia usually struggles in that type – and at that stadium. But this week, that ain't happening. Georgia is going to lay down the hammer yet again, I believe. No, and, and I won't go out and say that Georgia is going to shut them out like they have the last no, two games yeah. because I do think Auburn's going to score. It is on the road. Jordan-Hare Stadium is hard to play in. As Brooks said, crazy things happen in that stadium Crazy things do happen in that stadium, man. Think back to what was it, 2013, where they had the Dude. two miracle plays in a row yeah. and ended up going off to you know, do a lot of damage that year. And between <laughs> they've got Georgia and I think that was the year of the kick six, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. That was the same year that uh, Trey Matthews – and that tipped ball yep. that went up, that one was rough. Painful. A lot of things like that has happened in that stadium. So you never know. Uh, it was a rough game in, in 2017 when we played there as well. And yeah. Georgia came back and won that game later, obviously. But it was a rough game when they went down there. So it's a lot of pressure going into that stadium at first. Uh, but Georgia has done an extremely good job, once again, scoring in the first quarter and keeping their opponent off the board in the first quarter, stuff like that as well. I believe well. they lead all college football in scoring in the first quarter. Yeah, they've scored 91 points in the first quarter, and the opposing team has scored six points in the first quarter against Georgia. So, they, And that's two field goals that they've been able to muster against Georgia in the first quarter. And they haven't given up any points in the second or third quarter. They've given up 17 in the fourth quarter, which was garbage time, plus the pick six. Um, so that, that stuff is... Basically, the defense has given up 10 points in the fourth quarter all year long, and that's garbage time. All of that was garbage time. So the defense is stout. They go they go into an environment like that. It's hard to play, but if they can get off to a hot start like they've been doing and create some havoc keep, and, and just keep scoring in the first quarter like that, then they're not going to be stopped. Uh, no. It will get out of hand by the end of it if it stays anything remotely like what it has been this season for Georgia. Auburn looked better last week than they had against like Georgia State and stuff like that, obviously. But I don't have high hopes for them in the season. I stand by what we said at the beginning of the year that they could – at best you're looking at what, like a 7-5 and five type team yeah. probably. And I still stand by that because they have some tough opponents coming up as well. But that that's – I mean, just college football as a whole. You know, looking at college football this year outside of like Auburn and Georgia there, Arkansas dropped, Ole Miss dropped, you know, looking not so great there. And then you look at uh, – Oklahoma still looks – they're undefeated. Yeah, whatever. They they look awful. Yeah. Ohio State's lost, you know. Oregon lost. Oregon's lost now, so you can now rest easy on your preseason comments. Told you they weren't making it. You should have listened but, to me. I told you. But when you look at the ACC effectively being out of the playoffs, you've Pac got 12, the Pac-12. Out. Oregon was their only chance at that point, so now they're potentially out of the playoff conversation there. So you have, I mean, Iowa, Penn State for like the Big Ten. That game's being played this weekend, so that'll kind of call you know decide a lot of stuff there for them. Uh, but that's that's not going to be so. It, one of them will probably make the playoffs, right? More you look than likely. At, I don't think there's a scenario at this point that I'm looking through where I see Georgia and Alabama. Unless Michigan missing. just continues to keep their momentum going, really as well. Michigan's kind of Michigan though. They yeah. they've struggled to start the year, and they're they've yeah they've got some momentum. And Old stuff Harbaugh like that. will eventually screw it all up. They they struggle in the Big Ten consistently. Yeah. So yeah, they've got momentum right now, but I don't think that's going to. Yeah, I mean maybe they shock some of one of the the teams like a Penn State or an Iowa. I don't know. I don't think they play against Iowa, so maybe they play a Penn State. I don't know if that's on their regular season or not. I don't know. But Iowa doesn't have another ranked matchup this entire season if they can get past Penn State, which that game is being played in Iowa. So that helps them a lot. So you look at those those two teams being in the top 
for with Georgia and Alabama and two of them being Big Ten. One of them is going to drop. So at that point, who, who fills in potentially into the fourth spot? I think Ole Miss just ruined the opportunity potentially for them making the argument. Unless they just come through and just run the table the rest of the way and it just looks like like Georgia and Bama are just that good when you think about an Arkansas or, you know, Arkansas is out because they, they're going to have to play Bama again, you know, this year. So you wouldn't think that they would be able to get that far themselves. They would have to play Bama still along with Auburn and which I think they beat Auburn. Yeah. Um, and then you, you think they've got to go through Ole Miss this weekend. They've still got LSU. So I, I don't think that they get there. I think they'll lose a couple more games potentially. Ole Miss, they might win out the rest of the way. It's still going to be a good game. We were talking about this before as well. Oh, yeah. This is a huge bounce back game for both teams, Ole Miss and Arkansas this week, because they were coming off of right you know, their high horse and crashed, and then just absolutely getting smacked by both of their teams that they played against. Which mm-hmm. is why we look back and say it's Georgia, it's Bama, it's nobody else. Yep, it is. It's that's how it is, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out this weekend when you put Arkansas and Ole Miss up against each other and see how that game plays out. It, it'll be an exciting one to watch, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm interested in seeing how that plays out. It's mm-hmm. a noon game, so you can start your day off by watching that. Yeah, I think the winner of that game can confidently say that they're the third best team in the SEC because Dan Mullen pulled a Dan Mullen this last weekend, lost to Kentucky at Kentucky, which they haven't done in, since before I was born. It was like 1980-something, I think. Yeah. I believe it was, was like 1986 born, yeah. or something like that. So, and then, I mean – so whoever wins that game, I think they can confidently say that they're the third best team in the SEC. So that's that's a big thing for them to say for both of those programs. So I think that game will be really telling. But I think that I think you're, um, the fourth team though that's going to be in the playoff at this point is Cincinnati. I think a group of five team is going to finally make the playoff, assuming of course that Cincinnati takes care of business, which they will be favored in the remainder of their games on their schedule. Took care of business against Notre Dame. Yeah, they got their one notable win, which is crucial in regards to college football playoffs. So I think Cincinnati is important. Will- Finally get a crack at the playoff. I think that's important to note as well. So, I do think that's the fourth team. So I think yeah. it rounds out with like whoever survives the Big Ten out of like Iowa and Penn State potentially there. Yeah. Uh, so one of those types of teams is going to round out like that third or fourth spot, depending on how that goes. You'll have a Georgia and Alabama, and then you're going to have like a Cincinnati. I, yep. I think it probably is Cincinnati. I think they deserve their chance at this point just with the oh, way yeah. college football no looks as a whole. They deserve their chance this year. And so, yeah, that potentially that's the four that you're looking at, but which means you're looking at if that happens, right? If it comes down to a say, we're going to be Georgia bias real quick. Say Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, right? So Georgia's one. So Georgia's one. You, you, it's going to be a close game. It won't be like a blowout or anything oh, like yeah. that. You're going to have Alabama, depending on what the other teams look like, they'll be two or three. It doesn't really make two. a difference. Most likely two. two, which would give them, you know, the home field type advantage where it's going to be closer to them versus somebody else in the playoffs. But let's just say they're two or three. Either way, it doesn't really make a difference because they'll play the same team either way because yep. uh, the two team plays the three. One plays four. So you have Georgia playing against like a Iowa State, uh, which I, I or Iowa, I mean, Iowa or Penn State. Uh, potentially as like the four game because I, at that point I could see them potentially trying to slip Cincinnati ahead so Georgia Cincinnati doesn't play again. Yeah, I, I do ratings, think they like know. that kind of stuff. Like, or maybe they want a Georgia Cincinnati yeah, rematch after rematch. last year. Yeah, I don't know. But either way, whoever Cincinnati plays, whether it be Georgia or Alabama in that situation, it won't be a game like it was last year for Georgia Cincinnati. I, I don't see it being a field goal type game. 
And then you have an Iowa or a Penn State that has to play against Bama at that or Georgia. Either way, it doesn't make a difference either. Also not going to be good, which means you have a Georgia-Bama national championship game again. Yeah. And and that's where it gets hard for Georgia if you look at it like that. Think about that scenario. Say Georgia does beat Bama in the first game. It's going to be – it's already so hard to beat Nick Saban in the first place. Going in and having to beat him twice <laughs> – this is, fans may not like this, but I would almost prefer lose that first game against them yeah. because then you have a chance to potentially like beating him twice is going to be ridiculous. It's, I want to win every game. I'm a, I am a Georgia fan still, so I'm going to say I'm pulling for Georgia to win that game if it, when the SEC championship game comes around. But it, to put yourself in a situation to have to beat Bama twice is going to be a tall task, no doubt. A tall task, but I mean, maybe if you get over that hump the first time, then you figure something out and you can get out there and momentum going and. And you can get him again, but it's it's he still hasn't been beaten by an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. It's it's a tough one, and uh, you know you kind of just hope he can pull through on there uh, if that that scenario does play out. That's that's a what if scenario of if things go the way they are. But realistically, outside of you know Penn State, Ohio, or not Ohio, um, Iowa, and then you know Cincinnati. I mean, I don't know who else is going to slip into the playoffs. It's not looking like anybody. I, mean, I think it's just it, it feels like we're halfway through the season and it's almost feels like there's not much of a question of how that's going to play out overall. I mean, maybe the Big Ten just kind of flips stuff up and Ohio State wins through and wins the conference or whatnot like that. And that changes some stuff. But at that point, you have like a two loss Ohio State team getting in because they lost twice, right? Or um, once. Who? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. They, but they, they could still potentially get in there to like the Big Ten championship or something like that, and maybe if they win, they they create some questions at that point. But I, I don't see. I know we talked about this last week, but after seeing how Week Five played out, I don't see a third SEC team slipping mm-hmm. in unless once again Ohio or uh, Ole Miss just completely demolishes everybody else the rest of the way through. Or really Arkansas, because Arkansas still has their matchup with Alabama. So yeah, that, they that, would have to beat Alabama. That's they, really your last shot. Well, they would have to win out and beat Alabama. And no, at that point, at that point, they would be in the SEC championship game. But then you could also make And then the Bama would definitely still make the playoffs at that yeah. point. Yeah. So then you could still make the argument that one loss Alabama is probably they, they would be the third yeah. team. So if it happened to be that scenario where Alabama was the one loss SEC team that was on the outside, they would get in. Yeah. I, I promise. They definitely would get so in. So there still is somewhat of an argument for three SEC teams. I don't think it happens anymore. I think it's kind of a but, hollow argument at this point. Yeah. I mean, whew. the rest of the SEC right now is just, to me, especially in the East, is just looking rough. Uh, um. Well, here's the thing. We talked about because let's get to this part, and then we can wrap up on this. Let's talk about that Dan Mullen experience in uh, you know Kentucky. One, we called it before the season started. I said, this is the year I think they break through, and they beat, they beat Florida at home. You know, which hasn't happened in – I swear, I think it was – I think the stat popped yeah, up on the screen. Right, it was somewhere around 1986 or something like yeah. that, which is ungodly. You know, like that's insane. You're talking 35 years at this point since they've been able to win that game at their own home. But guess what? They snuck in. They won that game. And so now they're, they're you know, they're still undefeated at this point. Yeah. And, I mean, they, they weren't ranked before this coming week as well. And they were still – Three and zero, four and zero. So now they've gotten to five and zero, and they finally cracked in. I think they were somewhere around sixteen or something. They jumped up a good bit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so like they beat Florida, and then they they potentially 
we talked about this again before the season started. I thought they would be the second team in the SEC East, which it looks like that's the case at this point because it was going to be – we had it as Georgia, Kentucky, and then Florida at three. And that that looks like it's going to play out like that at this point because, yes, I know that Florida was a close game against Alabama. They just turned around and lost the next week against Kentucky. That don't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. They're, they aren't going to be able to beat Georgia in a few weeks. Georgia is not going to let them run the ball like they've been running. Once again, you talked about that earlier. The teams have not done well running the ball against Georgia. If Florida cannot run the ball, Florida cannot play well at all. I said, again, I said this before the season started, that if Florida is putting Emory Jones out there as their starting quarterback, go ahead and book a 9-3 and three season at best for Florida. And now they have two losses, and they still have Georgia on the schedule. So nine and three is probably what you're looking at. Maybe even eight and four yet again. LSU, yeah, there's shoes everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I just Dan Mullen irritates me on so many levels, and I don't really want. I don't want to hop on my soapbox and just rant on about this guy. But first off, he runs so game over, clock hits zero. They're going out to midfield. He's smiling. He has a smile on his face. As if, like, he just had... At best, you give, like, a smirk like this and when yeah. you get up to the next person. I mean, he... You don't, like, he was grinning. He gave the look as, like, okay, whatever, I could care less. But that's how he acts, man. Yeah. He's acted like that, like, in every game that they've lost. Like, think about to the, the loss they had to LSU last year after throwing the shoe. He was still acting like that after that game, and that was their playoff chances yeah, on the line. you just pissed away your playoff chances. Your entire chances. season was just over at that point. Yeah. And he was like, and he tried to say that, the, you know, he watched it back, and he thought he thought that there was a football move throwing the shoe. First of all, this man took the, the shoe, picked it up, and packed his arm all the way back and chunked it. How is that a football move when you're standing up away from the player at that point? Like, come on, man. That's, that's the kind of stuff he says. He shows up to a press conference wearing a Darth Vader mask, and then this press conference, the the – you know, media team, is somebody asked him, they said, are you worried about your team's, uh, you know, trajectory at this point after, you know, yeah, you made it somewhere last year, but this year it's looking, you know, kind of rough and you lose a game like this and you don't look like you're going to be able to get back to, to Atlanta, basically, is what they were saying. And, and it looks like you're going downhill from after last year's performance. And he, and he goes, well, what do you think about, you know, how your team's doing in, in that regard and stuff? He goes, well, we got there last year and stopped it. And the guy responded, he goes, I mean, that doesn't really answer the question. Like, yeah. how do you feel about your team's trajectory? Yeah, you got there last year, but this year it's looking rough. That's essentially what the guy said. And then the video that I saw cut off at that point. So I don't know how much further it goes, but the, when you sit there and you respond back with what well, we got there last year, there's, there's no good own- for you. There is no ownership from Dan Mullen and there's no leadership from Dan Mullen with that football program at all. And his and his his point for the Kentucky game was he said like well we outgained them in offense so no we weren't really outcoached uh when you have, that means you were outcoached actually it means you couldn't yeah score well, you, you you got yardage but you didn't score enough they points. had I think fifteen penalties for like hundred and forty yards total that's that's lack being outcoached there's lack no of discipline. discipline it just and to not even he he couldn't even say like yeah this one's on me. He didn't say that one time in his press conference at all. You'll never see him say that. It just is so ridiculous to me to see it. It really just gives gives the vibes to me that he just does not care, and he could care less about anything about that Florida program. And that's a problem to have as from your head coach. Who no one cares about what you did last season because really last season isn't even notable worth of talking about. 
you went eight and four and you got absolutely throttled in your bowl game. And again, you gave excuses and didn't even take ownership in that. And your excuse was, well, we had a bunch of players out and blah, 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 and stuff like that. Golly, it, it it just really irritates me to see someone like that in that type of position at a, at that t- at, a, at a really good football school and just used not care. Yeah, used to be. It it just blows my mind to the fact that he just watched his season basically go down the drain, and he gave the he gave the feel that it just didn't even matter. He, he wasn't. I mean, you've got to look at you've got two SEC losses, so now you've got to beat Georgia and hope Georgia loses again, and it ain't happening. Georgia is not one. Georgia Georgia's is not, not losing lose two Florida, games, and they're definitely not losing two games. Not two SEC games, yeah. And they definitely aren't losing to Georgia Tech or Charleston Southern. So, like, if best case scenario, say Florida somehow beats Georgia, that's just a moral victory for you because Georgia's still walking their way to the SEC championship game, and that's their hiccup game, I guess, at that point. So you get bragging rights of that, but you're going to be sitting at home in, in the first weekend of December, and then watching Georgia still have a chance to march their way on to like a playoff spot or whatnot. At that point, but no, that's still not going to happen. Georgia's not losing that game to Florida this year. I'm even more convinced of that than I was before the season or even the past couple weeks after the Bama game. I'm still so convinced at this point that Florida will not be able to do well. They'll they'll have like 220, 200, less than 250 yards of total offense against Georgia. And most of that will still be on the ground rather than the air, potentially like less than 200 yards total, I think. Because like, think about like teams like that right so arkansas is built a similar way where they like to run mm-hmm. the ball a lot their quarterback likes to yep. run the ball they don't try to throw a ton they were scoring 35 points a game 400 something yards of total offense well they had I, I think it was like as a team somewhere under um hold on here it is let's see they had a hundred and where did it go total offense 162 yards of total offense and they were 400 something, like 450 yards a game, something in that nature, scoring uh, 35 points a game. And they they do it off of like their run game and and their ability to have their quarterback run and stuff like that. You can't do that against Georgia. So Florida is going to be struggling to get 250, maybe even 200 yards of total offense. They're going to score less than 20 points, guarantee. I guarantee that. And Georgia's going to score 30 on them. Yeah. It, game for Jacksonville is not looking pretty right now if you're a Florida fan. And I think Florida fans. I think they know. Have you seen like their shift with with Dan oh, Mullen? Yeah. They they're not right now. They are not happy with Dan Mullen. That is be. the first time, even after an eight and four season, they were still happy with Dan Mullen. They shouldn't be. They are after this Kentucky loss. There was a shift yeah, in the way that they feel about that head coach. I'm telling you, Dan Dan Mullen is just a, gosh. He's just a punk, is what he is. I, I, gosh, I, I can't think of anything nice to say about the guy just because he gives nothing, nothing nice to say about him. The guy has no respect, for, really, it seems like, for himself or just the football program that he runs. It's just ridiculous to me. He tries to make in, – in negative situations, instead of taking ownership and stuff, he tries to make a joke. Like, yeah. it, that's that's poor, man. That That's like – that's just – After losing to Kentucky when you had one loss and you were still looking at a legit shot at going back to Atlanta like they did last season, as he would say, it's not a time for jokes. This is, it's a time for you to look at yourself in the mirror and say, how can I be better and how can I make this football team better? Not joke about like, well, we went there last year. So you, you already got that one SEC loss to to Bama. You couldn't lose another one, and you slip up against Kentucky, a team that you've dominated over the last like decades, several decades. Their first time beating you was in like twenty plus years or something like that. Was with Dan Mullen. There was a I saw a stat that came out, and it was like coaches before Dan Mullen versus Kentucky was thirty five or thirty something and two. Dan Mullen's four in his four games. I think he's two and two against Kentucky. He's lost two games against Kentucky in four years. 
I mean, and that that was a team that could never beat Florida. Yeah. Till Dan Mullen got there. Yep. I mean, it's just you're a clown. You constantly make jokes out of stuff like this. Like you, you went into a game against Kentucky. You had to win because you had to win the rest of the way and, and beat Georgia in order to have a chance to get to the SEC championship game again because we were there last year. You pissed that away by losing to Kentucky, and now it doesn't even matter what happens in Jacksonville. But you're still going to lose that game, but it still doesn't even matter. Yeah. And and you were still making jokes at a press conference afterwards, man. That's just a – it's a sorry head coach. It is. It's just sorry. It's There's nothing – I have nothing positive to say about it. Yeah. I can't even say something positive about the quarterbacks that he's coached, all that kind of – because guess what? Your quarterback situation right now doesn't look good. No. If you can't run the ball, your team is not going to be able to score. Nope. So good luck the rest of the way. I mean, that's that's all I have. I don't know, man. It's just the the once again, the table was kind of set for Georgia going into the season to be a playoff team. The stage is even more set for Georgia to be a playoff team now than it was six weeks ago. Yeah. It is. It, it's the teams around the country are losing. There's not that much competition for the spots in the first place. And then you look at the SEC and you've got Georgia with two top ten win, wins. And yes, I, I, well, we won't count the first one at this point because Clemson is really not yeah, good, and they've fallen enough. out of the top twenty-five. So I'm not going to be the the Georgia, you know, reporter here or you know, media member and say something along the lines of you know two top ten wins because I, at this point we'll just count it as one. Yeah. I'm still giving credit to Arkansas yeah. because until we see how they play the rest of the way, they still deserve to be considered a top ten win for Georgia as well. So they they get that. And then they have more matchups similar down the road coming up for Georgia with, you know, ranked opponents all down the schedule still. And they still got to go to Atlanta and play against what appears to be Alabama at this point. So nothing but the table being perfectly set for Georgia with a great resume, a great defense, a phenomenal offense with your backup quarterback. You know, JT Daniels has played three games and Georgia scored 41 points a game in their first five. So he hasn't played in two at all. He only played in the first quarter against Vanderbilt. Yep. And he came out early against UAB and South Carolina. So the other two games, they, you know, the only game that he really played in was Clemson, South Clemson, Carolina. Clemson. And he, he played well. He didn't have a ton of yards, but he played well. You know, his completion percentage was really high, threw the ball 30 times. Did what he needed to do he to make sure Georgia won. Georgia needed to do to win. Yeah, he yeah. did exactly what the game plan ended up becoming to win that game. And but with that, your your offense is still scoring forty one points a game. I mean, I wanted an explosive offense and somebody to score points, and then pair that with the best defense in the country, and it's going to be lethal. Georgia has a perfect table set. We'll see how they play out the rest of the way, but that's about all I got for this week on it. Yep, that's about it for me. Just moving on to the next one. Got Auburn, and then we'll recap that next week. Um, I think it's safe to say at this point, Georgia is the most complete team in college football, in my opinion. I think it's pretty much safe to say just with, again, how well this defense is continuing to play and then offense continues to take strides in the right direction and improving upon their game. I think when JT Daniels is fully healthy again, come midway through the season, still adding pieces back on offense, getting some more receivers healthy, as, just as the season progresses on, I think this offense is going to really continue to take even more steps forward and pairing it up with this elite defense that they have, it's a, it's, a, it's looking really good for Georgia to make a serious run at this national title this year. So that's it for me now. It's going to be a fun year. Buckle up. And I, I tweeted this the other day, and I, this is what I'll sign off with on it is, Georgia's got a special team this year. Please, Georgia fans, sit back and let yourself enjoy it. Yes. Because 
you don't know when you're going to have a team this complete and this good again. Once again, you have a a defense allowing 3.2 points a game and you have an offense scoring 41 points a game. Please let yourself enjoy this season. We're already almost halfway through the season right now. It's flying by. You're going to get to enjoy a win over Auburn next week. You're going to get to enjoy a win over Dan Mullen and the Gators. You're going to get to watch yourself go up in a great game against Alabama at the end of the year. Win or lose that, you still have so much on the line afterwards. And you're going to, like, at this point, I'm going to say Georgia has a chance, a a guarantee almost, darn near guarantee at least, of being in the playoffs at this point. And so then if you get into the playoffs, once again, we talked about the potential matchups that you're looking at there. You have a great chance at that point to be in a national championship game. Please let yourself enjoy this season and don't nitpick at every little issue and stuff that you see across the board with defenses and stuff like that. Yes, I understand Kirby Smart does it all the time. And so maybe that's where the fans get it from, right? Everyone emulates what their head coach is. And Mm -hmm. and Kirby Smart is that guy that sits there and is nitpicky over it. But he's supposed to do that. That's, That's the reason that he's getting this team to the point that they are is because he is doing that. As a fan, you don't have to do that. Let yourself enjoy what you're watching this year and just just have fun. But as always, keep it classy in the classic city, and we will catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dogs Daily on Sports Illustrated. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Dogs Daily crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at Jeremiah underscore Stodd 7, to Kyle at DK Fubderberg, and Jonathan at 22 underscore J-Man. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime, go dogs. Go dogs.